Good afternoon and welcome to the fourth episode of the Half Hour Call podcast, hosted by me, Harry Sutherland. Please be aware this podcast may contain strong language. Going forward in this series of interviews, I'll be talking to people across the industry who will give us their stories about what it is like to work in the arts industry today. Having a diverse CV is what all actors dream of, but it's something that Evie Oskins has. After graduating from the University of Bournemouth, Evie caught the hearts of many as Thea in Spring Awakening at the Lyric Hammersmith and then into the Novello Theatre on the Strand. After working in regional theatre for some time, she returned to London in the Southwark Playhouse's production of Carrie, in which she played the title role. During all this, Evie was appearing in Casualty, Holby City, Doctors, Misfits and the original pilot of this country named Kerry. Most recently, Evie appeared in the ITV series A Confession, where she played the daughter of a suspected sex offender, caught between protecting her dad and doing the right thing. The first lockdown shut down many things, but theatre was hit hard. Evie was storming the strand as Dawn in Waitress, starring alongside Sarah Bareilles and Marisha Wallace. Evie Hoskins, how are you doing? Hello! Wow, that was epic! <laughs> we made like it phenomenal! <laughs> we like also, to I love how you said they may contain strong language. Does that mean I can swear? You can swear if you feel the moment is right. <laughs> okay, I'm actually quite a swearer. Are you? Yeah, but I'll try, yeah. I'll try not to. But <laughs> one might swear. <laughs> You're sweet. Before we start, can we uh, start with some quick fire questions? <gasps> yeah, okay. <laughs> Don't be too nervous. <laughs> so, are you a texter or a talker? Texter. Are you a good or bad driver? Ooh, I like, I like to think good. <laughs> My boyfriend might say otherwise. <laughs> Are you a snorer? Uh, when I've had a drink. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> what was your favourite TV child? Uh, favourite TV child? What was your favourite TV programme as a child? Ooh, good question. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, that's a good shout. Mm. Are you chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Chocolate every time. Green room or dressing room? Ooh, dressing room, probably. Is a Jaffa cake a biscuit or not? No, it's in the name. <laughs> we'll debate that. <laughs> Disney or Pixar? Ooh, Disney. Do you dunk a biscuit or not? No. Why not? Not. I Why? Don't, well, I don't drink tea. Oh, do you not? No, so, I've never drunk tea. Oh. No, I'm a coffee girl. Oh, well, I, I know you're a coffee girl. But even... Matt's a coffee head. <laughs> yeah, big, big time. But um, no, I've never had tea. I, I associate dunking biscuits with tea. Hmm, that's a good point. Because I suppose if you dunk it in a coffee, it's just going to be a load of foam and like milk all over, isn't it? Good. It might be nice, but it's not for me. I think you should try it and see what's, see what's out there, see what you're missing. Uh, okay. right. <laughs> so, Evie, <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you today. Oh, thanks for having me. That's great. I want to kick off with the first question, as everyone else, if I can. And mm. what was your first ever memory of going to the theatre? Mm. Good question. My memory is shocking. <laughs> for anyone who knows me, they'll know how bad it is. Um, 
Well, it's not technically a memory because it's something I've been told. But my dad said that he took me to pantomime when I was like three, my local pantomime. And I cried and screamed so much he had to take me out. We only watched five minutes of it. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really like loud noises as a child. Like firework night was a nightmare. So I think maybe it was a bit too much, you know? What pantomime so, was it? Do you remember what the show was? Oh, no. I, no. Sorry. That's boring, isn't it? <laughs> That's the end of that one. But my first, like, my, I'd say my first, like, proper memory of, like, going to watch something would have been going, oh, we went to see We Will Rock You on a school trip. Oh, wow. And I loved it. And I remember saying to everyone, that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I want to do as a job. How old were you there then? Probably 14, 15. And were you into acting then at that age? Yeah. Or... You know what, weirdly, I'd done like the school productions. Um, but like, I, I come from quite a working class family, single parent working class family. Like I don't, I wouldn't have lots of money. Um, so I wasn't, ever um didn't ever really go to the theatre in, Lo- in, in London never um but yeah school trips I guess were, were the time we would do that and then um I actually got, got really bad GCSE results and couldn't do A-levels I didn't get good enough grades to do A-levels and they said you have to do a vocational course and it was like hairdressing or um like childcare, although they were like, or oh, you can do performing arts. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do performing arts. And then that's when I learned like about drama schools and um, you know, that you could have a career as a performer. So it's thanks to your awful grades that you're now where you are then. Yeah, my my G in RE. G. G. How bad Did you were know you could get a G? I didn't even know you could get a G. I don't <laughs> I don't even think I um, wrote anything, actually. (laughs) G. So bad. I never knew you could get a G. Yeah. So you went to the University of Bournemouth, didn't you? Yes. To study performing arts? I did an act, well, because I did an acting degree um, there. It was quite a new course. I don't know if it's called, it was called like the Arts Institute when I went. It was something else. or It's like the names changed, I don't know. But um, the course was only like in its third year when I, when I started. Um, and it was great. And we had lots of teachers who had taught at like Central and Mount View. Um, and it was a lovely course and it was really nice being in Bournemouth. Um, but I actually got Spring Awakening at the end of my second year at uni. So I never actually graduated. Really? Yeah, so I don't have a degree. Oh, I, I need to change my introduction then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, I mean, it's weird though, because, you know, it, it is hard because, like, obviously everyone goes to drama school and, and does the full three years. And I actually got into, so I auditioned for drama schools after college, and um, I got into Mount View, um, but couldn't afford to go. And then in my first year at uni, I was decided that I still wanted to audition for drama schools because I felt like that was the best route into the industry and um got into Alra oh yeah and 
Yeah, and and I got awarded a Dada as well, which is Dance and Drama Award. So I got like I would have had full funding, um, and because of like my parents and like my mum having you know low income and stuff, it would all have been paid for. But I just there was something in my gut that was like, this isn't right. Well, the, the drama school and had I, yeah, that moving to London and doing drama school like wasn't right for me at that point and if I had if I had have gone I probably wouldn't have got Spring Awakening. Mm. So how so how did Spring Awakening come about then was one of your teachers in or how did that happen then? Yeah so um when I was like it would have been 16, 17 um I was at my friend's house and her parents ran our local youth theatre and we were all singing in her living room and I was singing We Will Rock You, Scaramouche's song, Somebody to Love, um, <laughs> heavily influenced. <laughs> and um, I was singing and this woman came through and she was like, who's singing? And I was like, oh, I am. And she was like, your, your voice is really good. Um, my mum's a singing teacher and I go to the Royal Academy of Music. I'm doing a degree, a master's degree. And... Um, her mum, Helen, basically gave me free singing lessons because I couldn't afford it. Um, she gave me free singing lessons for like a good couple of years. And then Lisa, her daughter, she was at the Royal Academy and heard about these Spring Awakening auditions and thought, you know, oh, Evie would be great, great for this. So I wrote off to Pippa Alien. I had a friend take a photo of me for my headshot had it printed and then wrote up this like CV with all my like youth theatre credits. Brilliant. And got, and got an audition. What a beautiful lady. I know, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. touch with her. No, sadly, I should. But you know, things happen, things change. I think Lisa's got kids now and yeah, it's just, but yeah, I have a lot to, to thank them for. Mm. So, so, so you're in your second year and you start rehearsals then what was that like going into being at uni for two years and then going straight into a big production it was amazing it was just incredible and like we were all so young and I think you know had if I'd had that experience now it would be so different because you'd appreciate different things but we were all like teens early 20s um and then suddenly given like this amazing opportunity but it was exactly the same as like when I did youth theatre. It's just that I was doing it every day and I was getting paid for it. So that's a bonus. I mean, yeah, it, it was. It was just every yeah, it was dream come true. Everything. I, I imagine then with with the ages that you that you guys were at then, it must have added such a because obviously they're, they're written for that age group, aren't they? The parts are written for that age group, so it must mm. have added such an electric quality having fresh young people bringing it into London, mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah, that's what they wanted as well. They wanted it to be, like this, the whole programme was just filled with like, this is so-and-so's professional debut. Mm. Um, but yeah, we had such a blast. Like we worked hard, but we played hard as well. And like, just had the best time. Well, do you have any, what was your, say the favourite memory from your time on it? Do you have a favourite memory? Oh, 
from Spring Awakening. I can remember, I can remember like the opening night in the West End because we played the lyric first, which was awesome. And I love that theatre so much. Um, but I can remember being in the wings at the Novello and everyone just being like, we're going to perform on the West End. Mm. Like I was talking to someone recently, like that's the goal, isn't it? That's like the top of the ladder in terms of theatre. Like that's where you want to be. And we were there and yeah, it was, it was electric. And you were experiencing that at what, 17, 18 years old? Like, uh, well, I was, tw- I was 20 at the time. Oh, you were 20. Okay. But yeah. still yeah. Like, to be Great. that young and to have that opportunity. Amazing. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Incredible. Never, I never dreamt that that was going to happen for me so soon. Like obviously I knew I wanted to do it and I can remember going to see uh, Lisa, who I mentioned before, she ended up doing Les Mis. Mm-hmm. And I went to go and watch her in Les Mis and Cassie Compton was playing Eponine at the time and she was 18. And I can remember thinking, oh my gosh, she's so young and she's like doing what I want to do. Like that's it's going to take me forever. And then... Look you know. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I feel very happy. So when after that, what happened to you after Spring Awakening then? Yeah. Um, well, I've got an agent. Um, and then I ended up doing casual on and off for about nine months which again was amazing like such a learning experience you know working with such lovely and talented actors but then also like meeting directors because they have so many different directors working on the show um and I loved that I loved the routine of it I loved seeing the same people every day but then working on new things and you know just getting into like like a theatre job but instead of going and doing the same show every day, you get to film something different. Mm. Um, yeah, the I can totally see the appeal of like why you would stay in something for a long time. What was it, if I can, what was it like going from, you know, a theatre job, other end of the scale, you're on a TV set, t- t- shit, <laughs> you're on a TV set, <laughs> you're on a yeah. TV set for nine months. What was that like, that transition? I mean, so many people always say like, oh, do you prefer TV or theatre? And I haven't done loads of TV, but they're so different. You can't really compare them. Like mm. technically, you can't. And I like, yeah, it was my first TV job. I didn't know what I was doing, but like, luckily I had everyone around me who did. And I, as I said, I just learned so, so much. Um, and they really trusted me as well because I remember going into audition for a different part, um, mm. just like a one episode role, you know, and then they brought me back in for this semi-regular part, um, which was only supposed to be for three months and then they brought me back again. So it was like, I was really lucky. Doing something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when so when you did like the, like the casualty Holby City Doctors, was this all in one stint then or was this, have I misinterpreted it then so no so whole being casualty i played the same part we did did a a crossover episode wow um so like a special where charlie you know the character charlie in casualty um he ended up in the hospital so we had to go upstairs to holby because for those of you who don't know it's the same hospital but casualty is the a and e department and holby inside knowledge (laughs) okay um although they're filmed in different places so you know we were filming in bristol for casualty at the time and then we had to go up to elstree to film the holby stuff um so yeah i got to play both parts which 
uh, both shows, same part in both shows, which was amazing. And then Doctors I've done twice, hilariously, as different parts. <laughs> that was totally separate thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I know I sort of said in your intro, but it's kind of unheard of to have such a diverse, you know, your first couple of years working to be in the theatre, into TV, you know, it, it's quite unheard of, isn't it, to be that? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I feel so grateful because, you know, I, I think it's really hard when you do musical theatre, you get put in such a box. Mm. Um, and it's really hard to be taken seriously as an actor. It's really hard. Like I did a play a few years ago at the Orange Tree Theatre in Richmond and it was the writer's first play and he's lovely. And I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but I remember being in the bar one night after rehearsals with him and he was like, I totally expected you to like not be good because of your CV, because you had so many musicals. He was like, maybe he didn't say that. He was like, I didn't know what to expect. Okay. Um, which is interesting. And he loves musicals as well. He's, he's like a big musicals fan. So, but it is interesting how we do kind of get put in boxes, I think, unfairly sometimes. Where do you think that comes from then? Just like stereotypical musical theatre. Like... Kind of thing. yeah I guess I guess so but like because I don't dance and like I so wish I could and to have to be able to sing and dance and act like that's so amazing how like to be that skilled and then some people play an instrument on top of that and it's just like it just seems unfair that that should be we should be penalized for, mm. for doing that um but yeah, I've 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 worked hard to try not to be put in that box, but it's it's difficult. It's really hard. Mm. And like ever... now, I'm at a point. Yeah, go on. No, 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 no. Please, I'm sorry to interrupt. You carry on. I'm interested. No, no, no. Um, I was just gonna say, like, now I'm at a point in my career where I last year I just kind of made a conscious effort to like say yes to everything. So I was still kind of teaching on the side and doing little bits here and there to like pay the rent and you know being picky about what I went up for and then in the end I just thought I just want to do what I love doing and like get paid for it and pay my bills with it mm. by doing it and so you know I ended up going to Edinburgh Fringe Festival which was you know is something new associated with like you know new grad like let's go to the Edinburgh Festival um not that I'm like downplaying it at all because it was like the hardest work ever <laughs> um and then I did panto for the first time in my career um in 12 years and had the best time and again like they're so skilled what those people do on stage is just especially the dames like I worked with a guy called Damien and he was just like yeah I just watched in awe mm. um and then up until, yeah, COVID hit, you know, I was like, the ball was starting to roll. And I was like, okay, this is, this is awesome. I'm just doing what I love. Mm. And then COVID came and stopped it, right? Yeah, bloody COVID. But you know, that, that's another thing though, with, with Pantos is that, I, don't, I think the audiences underestimate the hours that you guys, and there's such a short rehearsal period that you guys have before you're live. Like, I think it's so underestimated how hard- it's mad. Panto is, isn't it? If I can, um, yeah. 
I want oh to my go God. Back. And like, especially those three show days, you know, you get up, you do 10 a.m. show, then you've got another one at one, and then you've got another one at seven, and it's just like mm. relentless. It's re- And the day off, the one day off is just not long enough to recover. Yeah, I bet. But the best time as well. Like, we have such a laugh. You have such a laugh. I like I, <laughs> I, I'm not a typical like panto princess, um, but <laughs> I remember last one. year coming out. Yeah, <laughs> but I looked like Belle because I had brown hair and this like gold dress for the ball, so I just looked like Belle from. <laughs> but um, I came out for the ball scene one day, and the guy playing my playing my prince Ollie. He looked down and I had a Mawam, a Haribo Mawam wrapper in one of the like, sort of like big poofy parts of my dress. And he was just like, you've got a sweet wrapper in your dress. That's the kind of like panto I was having. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I, I want to, if I can, I want to go back on something that we, we sort of touched yeah, on. Yes, sorry. About, um, no, no, don't apologise. About... Um, about that musical theatre act is about being boxed in perhaps. I don't know about you, but especially when I was younger and like at school and that, there was a, uh, you know, I, at the time I always put it down to kind of um, just, you know, childhood banter and rivalry and stuff about who works harder, straight actors or musical theatre actors. And obviously looking back, it's a pointless argument. It's, it's fucking stupid. You know what, it's, it, it's not even worthy of an argument. But I remember at the time people used to get really riled up about it. Did you ever have that same kind of, when you was younger, that same kind of, not argument, it's not an argument, is it? But that discussion. Um, I don't think, I don't think I was ever like aware of that being a thing, weirdly. Like I, I've never really like consciously seen the divide. Like I would approach a play with as much effort as a, as a musical and actually I find plays more exhausting to rehearse because it's so intense. Um, you know, it's, yeah. No, I never, I never experienced that, but, but yeah, it's hard, it's a hard one. But, uh, but, but that's that, I think you've answered it there. You know, it's, there, there, there is no, there is no difference. Like you, you work in TV and you also work in musicals. There, there, there is no separation, yeah. is there? Yeah, it's all just, it's all hard work for different reasons, but it's all hard work. Yeah. Can I, can I touch upon something here in, in your CV that is, again, you talk, uh, not really talked about. And the whole point of this podcast is for young, you know, younger people who are maybe starting a career or, or wanting to get into the arts and, and, and learning about stuff. Because you've done lots of workshops for new productions, haven't you, in your time? And <laughs> if I can, I so want to I want to talk about the girls because, as you know, I'm a massive fan of the Calumet Girls musical, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm just going to choose that one because I love it. Um, can you talk to us about what is entailed in a workshop for people that maybe don't know what a workshop is before it goes live? What what's involved in that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so a workshop of a production will be for the writer mainly the writer to hear their work off the page. So they've written their piece, they've written the music. Um, Then you get actors together for a week, sometimes two weeks, sometimes three, if you're really lucky. Um, And 
you will learn all the material. You won't have to be off book, but you'll learn the songs. Um, you'll have the music in front of you and the script in front of you. And then it usually ends with um, either like a big reading for producers or um, depends on how low key it is. Um, and then you'll just sit around and you'll read the script and sing the songs. Um, it's usually rec recorded like on audio um, for their reference. And then you go on your way. And sometimes you get the gig, sometimes you don't. Hmm. Well, how, how did you find the, the Calendar Girls one? How did you find that? Because obviously that was with Mr. Gary Barlow, wasn't it? Yeah, so I did a show in 2013 at Sheffield in the studio uh, called This Is My Family, written by Tim Firth, who wrote the Calendar Girls film. And he wrote this beautiful musical. Uh, he wrote the book, the lyrics and the score, three, all three um things and he's so talented and his writing is if you know the calendar girls musical his writing is so honest and so um like true to life um you just kind of have to say the words but his music is written in such a way you can't you have to kind of know how it works to like really get into it um and i just finished we did uh, production of that in Sheffield in 2013 and then we took it on like a mini tour at the end of 2014 and then when that finished he asked if I would go and read Jenny in this Calendar Girls musical which I was thrilled to do and like such ama the amazing women that he has had play those roles like I was involved in it for about a year I'd say oh wow quite more, a long time then yeah, so like you'd co you'd go and do two weeks here and then maybe six months later, they'd say, oh, are you free to do another two weeks? And you'd go back in and, cause it's easier for them cause you kind of already know the material. So um, I remember once we went in just to workshop the, um, the, the photograph scene cause it's all set under music and he wanted to get the music right. And he wanted to get the timings right. And, um, but yeah, like, it was, I love working with like older actresses as well. It's like my favorite, and I'm thinking of one particular older actress I know who would kill me for calling her an older actress. Um, <laughs> name, but, need a name, I need a name. <laughs> oh, she'll, kill, she'll know who she is. Um, but I, I went with her on This Is My Family, she played my mom in This Is My Family, and we're very, very good friends now. So, um, so we do research then and find out who that is. <laughs> yeah I'll let you guys figure that one out if you care enough um but yeah I just suddenly had this like all these women sat around this table and it was just amazing amazing like Harriet Thorpe was playing my mum Sophie Thompson was involved and she, uh, Emma's Emma Thompson's sister and she's like I just think I worship the ground she works on walks on um but yeah um and then got further down the line and um, they just wanted an actual 16 year old to play the part. Gutted. Because um, there's three sort of like teenagers in it. Mm. Um, and yeah, just, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. And they, you know, I think they did like a search, I want to say they did like a search for the part maybe. Like mm. a sort of, it wasn't a reality TV show, but it was, you know, like a sort of open call up north. Mm. Um, but yeah, but I love being involved in those 
those things because I the reason I did this is my family originally for Tim was because I did a workshop of it for him and then they offered me the job so as I said you you win some you lose some Mm. so so I imagine it's also quite a good networking exercise as well then isn't it yeah absolutely yeah I I love doing workshops yeah Mm. can I uh, zoom forward to another job I want to focus on which was a confession on ITV because you were fantastic Mm -hmm. in confession. Brilliant. Can you talk to us about that? Well, I love your introduction. You you made me sound like I had this massive part in it, which (laughs) I absolutely did not. Oh, behave. Stop being modest. It It was was, a pivotal part, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lovely lovely couple of scenes I got to do and I got to work with Joe who um who played the uh murderer um Spoiler. In the show. I played his daughter so oh sorry <laughs> um but yeah oh my god and the direct like the director I'd seen his movie London to Brighton and I watched that when I was like 15. And again, I remember thinking like, this is so natural. This is like, I love this like style. So to get to work with him was like incredible. Um, and yeah, just, you know, there's the standard, like Imelda Staunton did it and Martin Freeman. Again, like being sat around a table and like doing the table read, that was just incredible. Mm. Um, and and then I got, they played the scene with me and Joe because um, he was nominated for a BAFTA. They played our scene in his um, BAFTA nomination. So that was exciting. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, yeah. That was a terrific series. I love that series. And that, and you know, because that scene in, in the police set was quite hard, wasn't it? Because you were, mm. it was yeah, quite and hard to watch. <laughs> it's so weird because I can remember like going in and rehearsing the scene and then we did a take of it and like Joe, Joe like went for it and I was like, oh, we go, oh, okay, we're doing, we're doing this. Okay, right, 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 like let's, I needed to like switch on pretty sharpish. It was like, <laughs> oh God, okay, yeah. Cause I guess that's the difference between, the biggest difference between theater and TV is like in the theater, you get the build up. If you're going to go into something so emotional, you usually get the sort of, um, the climb of it. Whereas in TV, you just got to go, you just got to get, switch it on. Mm. Uh, and like maybe go to that to the absolute heightened place straight away almost like from a standing start almost yeah exactly that yeah yeah brilliant can I can I fast forward again I want to fast forward because mm-hmm. I want to talk about assassins if I can mm. because from someone who's never heard, even heard of the musical before and then seeing you guys in Newbury it was just fantastic and I'm, I'm amazed that it's not a more produced work yeah it's niche it's pretty damn niche um because like I didn't know probably 70% of the characters in it and they're all real people Hmm. um but it's just so clever isn't it I mean Sondheim's a genius the the book the book was what drew me to playing squeaky because that scene with her and Sarah Jane Moore where they're smoking the joint it's just so much fun to like play with that. Um, and getting to work with Bill Buckhurst, mm. who directed the sort of immersive Sweeney Todd in the pie shop um, that started in Tooting and ended up in Broadway. <laughs> um, 
he to get to work with him was was um was amazing too so it was yeah it was an amazing show and it was my first actor muso show again like of course yeah 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 you're actor like, muso yeah yeah and you know I remember going into I remember go, doing a first day rehearsal and thinking okay what's gonna something's gonna have to give here because you can't if you haven't got a band like if someone's playing an instrument like are you gonna lose like are they not gonna be as good an actor or maybe they're not as strong a singer or but everyone was just like amazing at everything and it was I was just like wow and like the first day of rehearsals we sat down to do music everyone got their instruments out it was like having a sits probe on day one I was just like oh this is new and then I just sort of sat in the corner with my little like block my little, little triangle yeah yeah you joke I did play the triangle brilliant <laughs> I mean because I, I remember watching it and it was like the most intense hour and a half of my life what was it like mm. on stage it must have been crazy it was good it was it was, it was I'd say it was one of the less as a performer because because the scenes are like sort of vignettes it's not like a through line of a story so you can kind of like detach from it a little bit rather than like going on a journey as such but I imagine for the audience it's a lot of information to take in mm. but, uh, but, it, but it was told in such a, a creative way that if anything it kind of I remember when we were chatting afterwards about it in the bar and like I remember saying to you that what you know the creativity of the you know like with the targets and the lights and that lot kind mm. of was that comic relief that that relieves that intensity and also yeah. the woman spilling the wine from right above my head before the show started do you remember that oh my god yeah <laughs> the joys of the watermill yeah. i mean it's a lovely theater that did you enjoy working there yes loved it loved working there and I'd, I'd auditioned for some other stuff before so i was really pleased when i got because you stay on site there don't you yeah you live there in these cottages it's amazing it was it was the best and then there's like a, a spa hotel nearby where you just you can kind of like join for the month and then you just you're in you know you can go swimming during the day and then go home do the show it's the, oh my god it's the best best <laughs> to work brilliant and then because obviously uh, assassins transferred to nottingham didn't it to the playhouse so yeah. what was that like transferring that yeah it, like mad because obviously i think oh, i don't want to I think the watermill was about 150, 200 seats, if that. Um, whereas the Nottingham is playhouse is huge, but they literally like picked up the set, the tiny set, sort of slightly expanded it on on the Nottingham stage. But it worked just as well. Very different. Like the audience reacted very differently to things because obviously they weren't, you know, right in front of you. Mm. Um, but it was again another theatre that I have always wanted to work at so that was um lovely to be able to do that mm, not on to tick off the list right yeah yeah so then can I talk then into waitress mm. I've been building up talking about the climb with you. <laughs> talk to us about how because obviously they've had a few recasts haven't they over their time so how mm. did that how did it come into your your sphere of consciousness then yeah so with waitress I I saw the show on Broadway in 2016. I saw the original Broadway cast and fell in love with it. Wow. And I saw Kamiko Glenn play Dawn and Kamiko and I played the same part in Spring Awakening. She played it on the US tour and I played it in the West End. Brilliant. Um, 
And so I was like, oh, this is such great casting, especially for like someone who doesn't dance, who's like slightly more comedy led performance, like what a treat of a role. And then when I heard it was coming over to the West End, I was like, I have to be seen for this. And I auditioned and, you know, it was a long process as normal and got to the finals. And I can remember leaving the finals and thinking, mm, that didn't go as well as I wanted it to. Um, and they ended up going with someone else. Um, and then uh, I just kind of was like, okay, move on. Like, you know, what's next? Ended up doing Assassins and uh, Cruel Intentions. And then I got a call in November of last year to say, would I want to join the cast in January? And I was like, yes, without a doubt. So I didn't even need to like re-audition or anything. They just kind of called and said, would, you know, would, would Evie be interested? And I was like, yes, please. Um, and then that was before I even knew that Sarah and Gavin were doing it. So oh, really? I didn't even know that that was, no, I didn't know that was part of the deal. Um, it just happened that, um, Hannah, who was playing Dawn before me, was leaving at that point, and it was coincided with the day that Sarah and Gavin went in. Um, and I found out on Twitter, I think someone tweeted about it, and I was like, "What? <laughs> like, not only do I get to play this dream role, but I get to do it with the woman who wrote the music mm, and wrote some amazing two thousand anthems, right? Tunes, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> like a little plug there for your Twitter. People want to follow Evie on Twitter. You are on Twitter. Is I it, am. Is it Evelyn Hoskins? Is that your handle? Yes. Yeah. Little you. plug there. <laughs> <laughs> so and I talk talking. I'm gonna turn my light on. I'm really dark. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> so maybe a somber topic. But when lockdown come, were you? How did you find out about that? Was it? Mm -hmm. I imagine because you weren't far off the end of the run anyway, were you? So annoyingly, my contract had just been extended until July. Oh, wow. So I was going to close the show. Wow. Yeah, the show was closing in July anyway. Um, and they just asked me to stay on, which was thrilling um, to be back in London again. And, you know, I'm working and on such a wonderful show. So um, then obviously, like, you know the news came and then when Broadway closed I think that's when the sort of air started to change and we were all a bit like okay this is serious and then I can remember it was Friday the 13th of March Ooh. and I was born on a Friday the 13th so I don't believe in superstitions about Friday the 13th if anything they're a lucky day for me mm. cut to Friday the 13th of March 2020 <laughs> and, um we got a text from the company manager. No, I think Sarah actually texted me. Sarah texted me saying, we have to leave. We have to go back because they're going to close the borders on Monday. And they were due to do another week on the show. Um, and then we got into work and yeah, it was confirmed. Sarah and Gavin were going to leave on Monday. Oh, like they were going to fly home on Sunday. So Saturday was their last show, which was like the next day. Mm. And I just had this feeling in my gut I was like this is it this is our everyone's last show I just thought there's no way like the speed that everything was happening at mm. um and 
So yeah, Saturday the 14th, we did our last show with Sarah and Gavin, which was eventually our last show, but we said goodbye to them. We had drinks. Unbeknownst to us, we all had bloody COVID. Really? We all had we all had it. So um, when we had these drinks in Sarah's dressing room, we're all just like passing COVID around. <laughs> um, but then on the Monday, the 16th, we came in to work and we were going to do a really cut show. So we had like, we were down two ensemble tracks. So we were like, we came in, we were trying to work out what that was going to be like, finale. And then the company manager called the whole building down to the stage. And I was like, this is it. This is it. Like, um, and yeah, they just said, um, we're not doing the show tonight. The government has advised people not to go to the theatre and site of London Theatre. Salt have said, you know, we shouldn't be doing shows. And that was it. And then two weeks later, they officially closed the show because we were going to close anyway in July. But yeah. never did I think come November, we'd still be in some form of lockdown. Mm. I mean, it, that's that's crazy hearing about it like that, because my friend worked front of house at Deer Van Hansen. And mm. the night that they closed, I think they didn't announce it until that night. And they still had audience coming up to the theatre. Mm-hmm. They had to turn people away. Yeah, that, I think. That, you know? Well, my mum didn't get to see the show. Oh, and she no. was she was supposed to come that night. Oh, she was having dinner, um, and I had to go and say like, mm, "Sorry, not happening." Oh, oh bless her. <laughs> I know. So how how are you being during lockdown then? How how's things? Are you okay? Uh, yeah. I mean, it comes in waves, doesn't it? Mm. Like I don't know about you personally, but like, you know, I feel I'm good now. I feel fine. I'm used. To, I guess I'm used to it all, but. At the beginning, I was sort of, you know, mourning this, you know, I was finally doing what I wanted to do. I was like back in the West End and, you know, suddenly it was all kind of taken away from me. Mm. Um, but, you know, just did the usual baked lots, uh, <laughs> watched lots of TV and Netflix. Um, yeah. And I feel like the light is, you know, we're at the end of the tunnel, I hope. Mm. I hope I'm due to start Panto in a couple of weeks. I'm just praying that happens. Yeah, so talk to us about that. Where can we see you in Panto then? Hopefully, yeah. hopefully where can we see you in Panto? Yeah, it's so funny because like I said, like last year was my first ever Panto. And then, so I did Panto in Sheffield last year, which was lovely going back there. Because as I said, I worked there previously and I love that city. Um and I worked for a company called Evolution and a guy called Paul Hendy, and he was directing our Panto in Sheffield. And someone made a joke about Yeovil, which is my hometown. And I heard them say Yeovil, and I was like, oh, I'm from Yeovil. And they were like, guys, we can't do the Yeovil joke this year. And basically, they if anyone was crap, they'd be like, oh, you'll be in, Ye- you'll be in Yeovil next year. <laughs> and I was like I want to be in Yeovil next year and he was like do you actually want to be in Yeovil like is this are you being serious because you know that would we'd love to have you there and I was like yeah it's my hometown like I'd love to be home for Christmas and um he came to see Waitress Paul came to see Waitress with his wife Emily and I saw them after the show and he was like I was you know I was serious about Yeovil if that's you know something you want to do and I was like yes and this was again pre-COVID um and and then I think it must have been like 
end of August, beginning of September, when things were sort of looking a little bit more hopeful, he called and was like, do you want to do Yo Panto? And I was like, yes, please. So we're supposed to start rehearsals on the 4th. Um, we open on the 11th at the Yeovil Octagon. Nice little plug. <laughs> which is where that story I told you about. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, that story that I told you about my dad taking me to Panto and me crying, that was there. Oh, it was at the Octagon, was So it? maybe I'll make... Yeah, so maybe I'll be making some three-year-olds cry. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> can, I, um, can I ask a deep question? Not a deep question. It's a, can I ask a question? You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. I, I was chatting to a friend today um, and, and, and I was talking about the people that I'm going to be talking to throughout these interviews. That too formal word. These chats, as it were. Yeah. And um, he said, you should ask a really important question. And with, you know, now I think over the, definitely not the end of it, but the, you know, the Me Too movement is now progressing in such a positive and an amazing way. I wanted to ask you about how you think your gender has maybe affected your work because I think it's a really important question and going forward I'm going to ask to both genders because I think it's a really mm. I think it's an important question I don't know what's your opinion yeah. on that oh my god I'm a massive feminist for sure um and you know I think but I, I there's there's another issue on top of that and, and that's race and I am a white woman so you know naturally I am granted privilege because I'm because I'm a white woman but then there is there is the gender ladder as well mm. and you know above that are I'd say white you know white men are at the top of that ladder and you know it's, it's so hard it's such a it's such a big conversation I mean I feel like you could probably do another po podcast just on on mm. You know, mm. on that one question alone but as a woman I don't no, I don't feel, I don't ever feel like I've lost out or anything from being a woman. Is there anything more specific about gender that you're uh, interested in? Just about maybe, maybe yeah, because it's quite a big conversation. Uh, maybe <laughs> opportunity, should we focus on opportunity? Do you think that there's less mm -hmm. opportunities, maybe because there's less roles or less meteor roles? And I, I know that's maybe a, another issue, say writers. No? I think actually I've probably been really lucky personally when I think about it and like you know we spoke earlier about the Calendar Girls musical and I was sat in a room full of like amazingly uh, like all different ages like all these women um, and maybe I'm just lucky that you know I did I grew up with a single mum I've been exposed to amazingly strong women. Like I'm good friends with like Jenna Russell and Claire Burt and, you know, so I get to watch them and I get to learn from them. And they've, if anything, they've probably paved the way for me. Mm. Um, and even Waitress, like that show alone, it's, I, I think I want to say, I might be wrong. So, you know, don't quote me, but I think Waitress was the first show on Broadway with an all female creative team. Oh wow! I never knew um, and that. Like, yeah, and I can remember walking into audition for it for the show, and like Sarah was there, and Diane, the director, was there, and the whole panel was like mostly women. And I even, I think, I even said like, "Wow, this is 
incredible to see so many women behind a desk in an audition. Mm. Um, so, and I hope it continues that way. And I think it will. I think this year, especially things are moving forward, like politically on many levels. Um, so I just hope that it continues to go in the right direction. Mm. I think it's, you know, I think just opportunities and yeah, they just need to be opened up mm. more to women. I mean, uh, only because historically it's all been men. Yeah. No, I, I think that's interesting. I mean, I never knew that the waitress was an all female creative team. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. So the director, like movement director, choreographer, um, and the MD. Um, and then obviously Sarah wrote the book, female, uh, the, uh, oh God, the, Sarah wrote the music, female script writer. Um, and then even in London, we had a female resident director. We had a female MD because the MD is on stage. So I think they want it, you know, they want that representation as well. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. And it's I almost actually... like six sort of paved the way in London, didn't it? As mm -hmm. you know, all female cast, all female mm -hmm. creative team as well, I think. And, you know, it, I, I remember seeing six for the first time. And I remember it, it was really weird because someone said, uh, it annoyed me because someone said what was it like seeing an all-female show and that it annoyed me because I never saw it as it was right just, interesting yeah it, yeah yeah. it, it, it irritated me that someone was it felt like they were digging at what you know do you think it's an issue that it's all women or blah 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 it's like no it's just an amazing show you know? I guess it just comes down to like like anything it just comes down to representation and yeah. like having young girls seeing themselves represented on stage equally. And I think that's the key is like the equal part. So, because as I said, like, you know, boys grow up seeing Superman and Spider-Man and seeing all these heroes and they're always the male figure. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess like equality is what we're striving for. I read a fact the other day on Twitter. It was in Ireland. Another fact, go for it. Um, but I saw a tweet and it said it was maybe a week ago. So like from mid November, women in Ireland are basically working for free because of the pay gap, because of the male female pay gap. Yeah. So like what a woman earns in a year versus what a man earns in a year from mid November onwards, they're working for free. Wow. Essentially. Yeah. That's crazy. So, I think it's just about equality and representation and mm -hmm. yeah. That's, I mean, that's interesting. Like, sorry to sort of throw that one, throw that one at that you. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I feel lucky in that. I don't think it's ever affected me. But especially with Waitress though as well. I mean, that you've got three strong central female mm. characters. I mean, you know it's amazing isn't it All yeah and, and again like I you know I was just talking about representation like the amount of young women and girls that when I when I came out of stage door the, the amount of people who who see themselves in dawn mm. um and they say like I'm I'm dawn that's me mm. um you know so so many people and and you know to, to see yourself on stage, I think, is or to see yourself in a character is is the best thing when you go to the theatre, when you can, you know, when you respond to something like that. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, follow, that's a great segue actually into into the last thing I want to talk about, if I can, with you, mm. is I was going to ask you what what do you think theatre is for, and I'm just interested to see maybe if this if that gender thing and that representation maybe feeds into that. What what what? For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think theatre is an escapism. Definitely, you can go and sit in the dark and like, you know, be transported somewhere else. Um, and yeah, and tell stories that you wouldn't necessarily experience. Like again, like I can remember going to see Barbershop Chronicles at the National. Mm, great. Thinking, it's phenomenal, but thinking, wow, I wouldn't like, when else would I get to hear this story in such a way? And like, I just got, I just got an insight into like a part of the world that I've, that I know nothing about. Um, but yeah, definitely representation and te- just telling stories. But it's weird because obviously lockdown has brought all these like amazing series and films on Netflix and, and whatever. But I watched a live stream of uh, Romantics Anonymous, the oh, yeah. Emma Rice production from Bristol Old Vic. And I honestly wept for like the first 15 minutes because like I could cry thinking about it now. Just what, just the difference between, um, the difference between watching something on a screen and watching something live and watching like eight people become 30 characters with a change of costume or, do you know what I mean? Mm. Just that, like, you just don't get that in TV. No. That's, you I, have I, to I, I, you have to use your imagination and that's what I love about theatre so oh, okay oh, I want to follow that because that's have an interest in there do you think do you enjoy that then maybe when you're on stage that you're as an actor you're asking something of the audience perhaps mm, absolutely yeah 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 and like yeah that's what bows are for, for in my mind I like we're thanking the audience as much as they're thanking us mm. that's that's beautiful. That's a lovely way. Of, this this has been a blast. This has been a blast, Evie. Thanks so much for talking to me. It's been great. Oh, thanks, Harry. Thanks for having me. No worries. And uh, how long? And look at that. We were we were spot on with the timing that we wanted to go for. So we were spot on. Um, it's Perfect. been great having you. It's been great to talk to you. And uh, we've got to have a good catch up soon. Yes, please. When when this is all over, we'll have a drink. Sounds brilliant. Evie Hoskins, thank you very much. Thanks.